0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Paranormalized, where our goal is to normalize the concept that life goes on after death. This is our weekly podcast, facilitated by local tour agency Haunted Cincinnati, where we share personal experiences, explain the science behind ghost hunting, and attempt to answer questions about the unknown. I'm your co-host, Drew.
1: I'm Alex. And I'm
2: Alicia.
0: And welcome to Paranormalized. So, how many kids do you know that have an imaginary friend? Or how many of you even had an imaginary friend as a kid? I imagine quite a few of you. Or how many of you have ever seen an animal stare intently at nothing, dogs and cats growling into a corner, intent on protecting you at all costs from an invisible force? Now the easy explanation for this is that kids just have an active imagination and animals are simply just dumb sometimes. According to paranormal experts, however, this is not always the case. Research indicates that children are far more susceptible to receiving and perceiving paranormal events than adults. This is due to the fact that most of their life still remains a great mystery to them. Everything is new and exciting, and they are likely not to have been taught about the concepts of ghosts, let alone dying. So they really have no reason to fear or disbelieve anything that they may see.
1: Now, we're certainly not saying that every imaginary friend in the world is actually a ghost friend, but there are many, many reported cases of imaginary friends telling children information they would otherwise have no way of knowing about, which I have a personal story about, performing acts that children are simply incapable of, and being so detailed in their existence beyond what a child could come up with on their own. And these are the cases in which a child has actually made contact with a spirit. As for pets, it is a great mystery. We all know that their smelling and hearing capabilities are far beyond our comprehension, so it would not be surprising to learn that their other senses allow them to detect beings not in our current plane of existence. If a dog can smell a bomb from a mile away, I have no issue believing it can detect a presence right in front of them.
2: Agreed. The ability for animals to detect things is unprecedented. People always say that pets can determine trustworthiness in people, or that they have an incredible ability to perceive danger. Think of all the instances where animals play the part of protector of mankind. This translates very easily to the world of the paranormal, and while there is no scientific proof that it's real, we all believe that animals have these determinative capabilities that we as humans do not have. There was a time when I was visiting my family in Michigan. Note, I was actually going to see my infamous Aunt Mart, if you remember her from my Ouija board story. And my mom and I were going to stay with my mom's cousin, whose name is Susie. Uh, she was kind enough to kick her children out of the house for the weekend so that we had a place to stay. And I say kicked out, but don't worry, they were they were just with their dad. <laughs> She's not a cruel lady. <laughs> but anyway... Susie had three cats, and none of them were normal. However, one of them had a major staring problem. Susie always said that Rocky was very territorial and protective, so if he had a staring contest with you, he was trying to prove his dominance and protect the household. The problem was that he didn't just stare at guests when... We were all downstairs. Uh, Rocky would be standing guard at the bottom of the stairs, constantly staring at the landing leading to the second floor. When I eventually got up the courage to ask about it, Susie explained that she thinks that her house was haunted by a malicious entity who never came lower than the landing of the stairs in between the floors. She always hated going up and down the stairs, claiming that several times she had felt negative energy, Um, And felt like something was trying to push her down the stairs. She had fallen innumerable times. Eventually, converting the downstairs study into a bedroom for herself. Um, Of course, my mom and I were sleeping in the upstairs bedrooms that night. Meaning, I had to go up the stairs, which was terrifying because I had just spent the whole day with my aunt Mart, and she was telling me ghost stories. So, fun times. Um, And. When we were choosing bedrooms, I chose to sleep in Susie's son's room because it was further away from the stairs, Um, and it did not have walls that were completely covered in Justin Bieber posters like her daughter's room was. Uh, I was freaked out enough. I did not need the eyes of a million Biebs in my life.
0: Don't be a hater.
2: (laughs) It was so creepy because it was so, like, he was so still young in his fame, so it was all, like, the baby pictures of it Justin Bieber. It was, like,
1: 14-year-old Justin Yeah, and, I was
2: like, and there was, like, cardboard cutouts, and I was like, I can't, I can't handle that. Um, it's also important to note that at this age, I was still pretty scared of the dark. Um, so I always slept with the door open. Uh, at this time, this was a big mistake. Uh, pretty much as soon as I laid down in the bed, Rocky came into the room, jumped up on the bed, and he stayed on the bed with me all night, uh, but he wasn't sleeping. He was just kind of perched on like the bottom left-hand corner of the bed, facing the door, staring into the hallway the entire night. So I was just like constantly in and out of sleep. I definitely woke up at least like three times to the sound of him hissing at some unseen presence. Uh, And of course, while I appreciate the protection that he decided to bestow upon me, uh, and I gave him lots of love, until i left the house um i never slept in that house again and i will never sleep in that house again
0: Uh, just did you ever have a staring contest with rocky
2: i did yeah did you win no susie pretty much pretty much told us like just let him win because
0: he's good he wants to be
2: protective of us and i was fine with that
0: what a man
1: well you know like um cats that's how they show dominance so like if you're having a staring contest with the cat you have to wait for them to blink because if you blink first you're showing yourself to be the submissive one in the relationship so oh
0: my cats always blink at me i win (laughs) i also have a valiant pet story uh when i was a kid probably around the age of 11 or 12 uh, we had a babysitter who had an absolutely massive property And I'm not exaggerating in the slightest here. It was the biggest property I've ever seen, let alone been on. The driveway itself was at least a mile long. Most of the property was covered in woods, which they had made four-wheeler pass through. So it was so much fun as a kid exploring these places. Like you, it's a dream come true, honestly. And luckily she was not a very attentive babysitter. So she let us do whatever we want. She also had a dog named Buttercup, and Buttercup was a very sweet yellow lab who would always join us on our adventures, go swimming through the creeks, run through the brushes, just having a good time in nature with us. Most days in the woods were fun, and uh, it was just alive with the sound of nature. One day, we were on one of our adventures, and we were really deep in the woods, some place that we had never explored before. And I remember it being such a nice day out. Just too hot in the sun, but perfect under the shade of the trees. But suddenly the noise of the woods just literally stopped. Like, there were no more birds, no more bugs, just for a solid minute. And it got much, much colder. And I had never heard Buttercup growl before. Like I said before, she was a very sweet dog. She loved affection. She loved everybody. Like, she never met a stranger a day in her life. But... All of a sudden, she just became very defensive. She arched her back, facing the path in front of us, and began growling aggressively. And then suddenly she yelped and stumbled backwards before whimpering and running away. And obviously, as an 11 or 12-year-old boy, however old I was at the time, I, I booked it out of there. And a few months later, Buttercup actually passed away in her sleep. Now She was a very old girl. So I'm not implying that by any means that there's any correlation there, but... It was shortly afterwards. That's all I'm going to say on that matter.
1: It is suspicious. It is. I cannot personally think of any particular instance where I had one of my animals clearly interacting with a paranormal presence. I'm going to be completely honest. Pretty much all of my animals have either been very stupid, very lazy, or both. I have a pet dove named Horace and he definitely has some weird moments, but I sort of shrug them off as he has a brain that's the same size as an M&M. So uh, he gets spooked by absolutely nothing and starts frantically flying around the room even though I'm being completely silent and not moving. So I know I can't be the one triggering that. Uh, He likes to sit on my bookshelf that faces my door and this door has opened up completely on its own before and closed on its own. And it's a sliding door. It's not a door that opens normally so you have to put some force behind it to open or close it so he stares at the door and he puffs up like he does when he's angry like he's getting upset at whatever he sees over there recently he's been spending a lot more time sitting next to me or on me while looking at the door but like i said i think he just has a bird brain he's a bird after all but i suppose it's up for interpretation
0: i'm not trying to discredit anything that you're saying here but horse definitely does just have a bird brain there's nothing but elevator music behind those eyes how
1: Dare you! Horace is just a very special kind of brilliant. Thank you for defending his honor you when he so cannot be here to defend welcome. himself. He's a wonderful birdie.
0: I will agree with you that he is special and a wonderful birdie. That is true. He's definitely special.
1: <laughs> I hope you mean that in the nicest way possible.
0: Just elevator music. That's all I'm saying.
1: As for children in the paranormal, I have two personal stories. When I was very young I had this awful awful experience most nights. The bed in my bedroom was pressed against a wall and I'd frequently sleep lying on my side facing the wall. Almost every night for two or three years I could feel the presence of someone standing next to my bed. They'd lean down or maybe crouch next to my bed. I wasn't sure because I wasn't looking but I'd hear them whisper in my ear I know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would start trembling And I'd squeeze my eyes shut And just pull the blanket over my head And I would try not to cry Obviously they knew I was awake Because I'm moving the sheets and stuff But it would be really obvious if I were sobbing <laughs> So I would just lay there for a few minutes And then the feeling would pass And I could only fall asleep after all that song and dance Like I had to hear the thing Whisper I know you're awake Before I could fall asleep It stopped right before we ended up moving out of the house. So I was about eight or nine and I have no idea what it was doing or what it wanted it was a very negative energy, though, that's for sure. Um, I actually forgot about it for the longest time, so I guess it turned into a repressed memory. But one time when the three of us were having our, our roundtable talking about spooky stuff, it just came out of the depths of my brain.
0: I would repress that, too. I would repress that so hard, <laughs> yeah. so deep, I would never want to hear it again.
1: Well, ever since I've remembered it, I've been so terrified that it'll come back. But maybe since I'm an adult, it won't be able to communicate with me anymore. And that is my sincerest hope.
0: It thinks it's slick being like, I know you're awake. Well, obviously I'm awake.
1: I just lay down.
0: (laughs) Why would I be asleep?
1: Oh, it was awful. I mean, the first few times it happened, I thought it was one of my parents. But then when I was laying there, I was like, I had this feeling. I was like, don't turn. It's not mom or dad. Don't roll over. And so it was just, it was horrifying.
2: One day, like on your deathbed. One of your parents is going to be like, it was me. Oh,
0: that, <laughs> like, that is so dark assuming that I'm going to die before my are-
2: parents. <laughs> well, I mean, or your parents could say <laughs> it on
1: their deathbed. like, <laughs> Alex, come closer. Closer. You remember how you'd almost pee your pants every night? <laughs> that was me. <laughs> And then I put a pillow over his head.
0: No, your mom.
1: you assume it's your father.
0: Your mom has a chance of maybe outliving you, but your father, there's no way. Yeah, exactly.
1: All right, so the next one. I was about three when this happened, uh, because it was before my little sisters had been born. I had this imaginary friend I called Grandpa. Creative. Yes. Grandpa and I got up to all sorts of shenanigans, but he would tell me a lot of stuff. So I'd be chatting with my mom, lathering on like all three-year-olds do, like I continue to do at 24, (laughs) and would say something far too intelligent for a three-year-old, like talking about fish that live in certain areas of the world, like an Amazonian fish, and then I would call it by its species name, or a random historical fact that I absolutely shouldn't know. And she would ask, uh, so where'd you learn that, Alex? And I would tell her, oh, Grandpa told me. My mom would just sort of shrug it off as me watching TV shows with my dad while she was at work and him letting me watch stuff I probably shouldn't have been watching, which he definitely did already. So that was a fair assumption. But that all changed one day when I dropped a super serious fact on her. So she was in the kitchen making dinner and I came up behind her and started blabbering on again. And I looked at her with a very serious expression and said, Mom, did you know that Grandpa died in the ocean? And she told me that all the hairs on her body stood on end when she looked at me. So her grandpa, my great grandpa, had drowned off the shores of Ireland when my grandma was a young girl. Uh, It was her fifth birthday and she was swimming in the ocean when a riptide caught her. So my great grandpa swam out to save her and managed to pull her out. But then he got caught in the riptide himself and drowned. She had never told my dad this story and absolutely no one in her family ever talked about it because it's it's sad knowing that their grandpa had died on their mother's birthday. So there was a zero chance that I had heard this story from someone else. And since I talked about grandpa so much, she was immediately 100% sure that the ghost of my great grandpa was hanging around. Apparently, after I had that conversation with her, I stopped talking about grandpa. I was obviously too young to remember this, but my mom thinks that maybe he just wanted to know uh, that he just wanted her to know that he was still around watching the family. I kind of wish I remembered this because it sounds really cool. Terrifying, but cool. There are lots and lots of kids that talk about speaking with dead relatives, and most people write it off as a special way of grieving, but me, I didn't know this guy. I didn't know he existed. There was no grieving here. I think that gives credence to the thought that children are more sensitive and able to communicate with ghosts. My nephew just turned nine months old the other week, and I'm wondering if Grandpa might make a reappearance again once he can speak. I'm just
0: saying this all further cements the fact that children are terrifying and should be avoided at all costs. Yeah.
2: (laughs) The world should know. Uh, I did get serious cold chills as soon as Alex said, Did you know he died in the ocean? Like, hair on arms stood up goosebumps i was like
1: i uh, no Ugh. if i had a child that said that to me i'd drop kick on <laughs> right like Mood. It's, it's so creepy like sorry but
0: such a personal detail about your own life like your 2 year old is speaking to you about it like no you can leave
1: <laughs> i got to start over start fresh new kid can't do it with the old new one kid <laughs>
0: Alright, so personally, I can remember a few specific incidents as a child, nothing as concrete as Alex's, or frankly as disturbing as Alex, but first, I do remember having an old man named Bill as a friend. He lived in our basement. I don't remember him telling me anything of note that scared my parents, and I don't remember him being around for very long, so he may have just been an imaginary friend, but I do remember talking to him. When I was around five or six, I used to have a very strong irrational fear that robbers were going to break in during the night, so I took active steps to hide from them every single night. Well, not every single night, but frequently. Often, I would choose to sleep in my closet instead of my bed because of this. One night, I woke up in the closet to a shuffling noise in my room. So my closet was is made out of two sliding doors, so I slid one open just a bit to peek out of my room. And I remember seeing my favorite stuffed animal, a chonky little white tiger, slowly being dragged across my room by its tail.
1: I know this is supposed to be a scary story, but I get really distracted by your irrational fear of robbers coming into your house.
0: No, listen, like, we used to... Like, throw our laundry on the floor of the living room for it to be folded, like, whenever someone got to it. And I used to love sleeping out in the living room, because it was like a little adventure as a kid. And then I would get this irrational fear in the middle of the night that the robbers were coming in. So I would go bury myself underneath the laundry to hide from them. Genius.
1: (laughs) I had demons in my house, and I wasn't this paranoid. Have
0: you met my father?
1: That's fair. (laughs) Continue.
0: Finally, uh, when I was a bit older, around eight or nine, I was really into Webkins. Do not judge me. They were the bomb.com.
1: They're adorable,
0: they are. <laughs> I had a bunch of them, and one of my favorites was a strange little creature called Wacky Zingos. Uh, Wacky was from a minigame, I'm pretty sure on the Webkins website. Like he wasn't based on an actual animal, my, like most of them were. So his his plush was kind of special from the rest and the fact that it had a voice box with his little catchphrases and that would be activated when you squeezed him. I had a great deal of fun with him at first, but pretty soon into acquiring him at night I would be trying to sleep and Wacky would be on the floor far away from me and would just not stop talking. Uh, This went on for several restless nights before I told my mom that I did not want him anymore, the new toy that I had just acquired. And it wasn't like he was broken or anything, like, so that he would just be constantly talking because he was broken. Because during the day, he was silent, unless I squeezed him.
1: It's Furby logic, man.
0: Okay, we should cast all Furbies into a forever flame of fire.
1: I hate this. No, I don't care what you say or what the internet wants to say about Furbies. I think they're cute. No, Drew's right. Furby should
0: not exist. You should listen to the internet because, like, there are so many stories. Like, Furby is like if a boo-buddy had a million stories about creepy, messed up stuff that he did on his own. Like, think of what how much you hate boo-buddy. You hate boo-buddy, yes? I do. There are so many stories across the internet from thousands of children. Furbies are just messed up, man.
1: I'm going to have to phone my sister in on this one because she's the Furby expert.
0: Oh, my God. I sincerely hope she doesn't have that on her resume.
1: Listeners, if you have creepy Furby
2: stories, email us your Furby stories.
0: (laughs) Paranormalizedpodcast at (laughs) gmail.com.
2: Tell us your Furby stories. But back to what you said about her having it on her resume. I hope she does have that on her resume because we need more experts in the spooky field. Um, At this point, even the people who say that they are doing studies on the relationships between children and the paranormal, they don't really have any significant results. There are assumptions, as we said before, that children are more willing to accept the presence of an entity, and that seems to be the most reasonable explanation, but there is still no solid proof. The fact of the matter is that most of this is still up in the air. Uh, But enough about, you know, creatures from hell, whether it be furbies or children, as Drew seems to believe. Uh, We have one more topic to discuss today, the concept of guardian spirits.
1: Right, so we've spoken a great deal about negative spirits and malicious attachments, but now I think it's time we speak of the more positive side of things. Guardians are typically believed to be with you always, keeping dark forces at bay and helping guide you towards making safe decisions.
0: Yeah, it's believed by most experts that guardians are individuals who knew you personally or had a strong connection with you before they passed. Perhaps a relative or a close friend, but sometimes... People report guardians that have been passed down through generation to generation, people that were very close to, say, your great-grandfather that have just continued on down the chain that just felt such a devout commitment to the family that they decided to stick around to see it through, basically. Uh, A few episodes ago, I mentioned how I've only seen red orbs in pictures that also have me in them, and I also mentioned how red orbs allegedly represent guardians. I have also been told by several people claiming to be psychics that I have a very positive and protective spirit attached to me. Perhaps this is the reason that I have such negative dreams all these years but have experienced no physical harm from them because I'm being protected by something. I do know, though, that there was one instance several years ago when I was driving home on a very skinny, curvy, and just overall country bumpkin road. You probably know the type if you've ever driven out into the country. Yes. It was pitch black out, and it was raining pretty heavily. Suddenly, before rounding a corner of a curve, I heard a very distinct voice in my head that was certainly not my own say, Drew, stop, and I slammed on my brakes. As I skidded to a stop, a herd of deer raced across the road, inches from my bumper. This road was right next to a river. Had I seen them without stopping, I could have swerved off into the road, into the river, or I may have hit them, destroyed my car, and possibly hurting myself. Regardless, someone or something saved me from great harm that night.
2: Sometimes, uh, when you get a very strong feeling that there's something you should do, especially when it's something related to a decision you have to make, there's a belief that occasionally that's your guardian spirit offering you advice and guidance to a better solution for your problem. There's a possibility that your guardian spirit is offering advice when the solution you come up with is something that had never occurred to you before.
0: I also know of a good example of this kind of situation. One time when my dad was a young adult, he was getting all ready to head to work. He was intending on taking his motorcycle And he had gone through literally all of the preparations to do so. He had on his jacket, his gloves, his helmet, and he had the key and the ignition on the motorcycle. And then suddenly, he just had the overwhelming urge to take his car and said, He said he couldn't explain it, but he just needed to take the car to work. So he undressed and put everything away and then headed to work in his car. On the way there, he hit a dog that was running across the street. Now, I don't know how much you know about motorcycles and the physics behind them, but had he been traveling at 55 miles per hour on a motorcycle and hit a dog at full speed, he'd be dead.
1: Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I- I'm glad your dad did not die on that faithful day, for we would not have been brought into this lovely earth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I- I'm trying really hard, really hard, but I cannot think of a single instance that something was definitely truly being influenced by a guardian spirit. However, I have definitely had some moments where there have been there must have been some sort of divine intervention because I certainly shouldn't have gotten out of that situation alive. If I have a guardian spirit, they have their work cut out for them. I agree. <laughs> Same here. I can't
2: recall any instance where I think something was trying to help me make any important decisions. Uh, as far as I can tell, the powers that be do not feel that I need any assistance.
0: Is that a flex?
2: No. I'd say that being that most of the choices I make are the wrong ones, no, not,
1: not a flex. They clearly enjoy watching me ruin things on a regular basis. Okay, not a flex. <laughs> you, <laughs> enough flexing, my friends. <laughs> Uh, I think that's about all we have uh, for today's episode. So join us next time when we'll be examining rank lists of the most haunted locations and re-ranking them based on our own personal opinions and experiences. Stay haunted, Cincinnati!